this right here is now giving like a command what to do with murderers. You take him to the man, and the man is someone who is appointed as a government. Welcome to the Oh My Geekers podcast, where we educate others while educating ourselves on an array of topics. We also review movies, books, and TV shows. Hey everybody, welcome to the Oh My Geekers podcast. My name is Jeanette, I'll be your host, and... I'm Zeke. Um, we're doing a series through the book of Genesis, and we are on what chapter, Zeke? We're in chapter 9 of we, the book of Genesis. Yes, and so before we begin, I'm going to pray us in, and then when we end, Zeke will pray us out. So, um, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for this day that you've given to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us um, the ability and the knowledge and understanding of your word. And um, it's exciting because... I'm sure that even out there in podcast land, whoever listens to this podcast will also be blessed. So in Jesus' name, amen. Also, I'd like to encourage you, if you do have a Bible, um, just get, uh, go grab one, and then, or you could even get one. Um, there's an app called YouVersion, and they have Bible on there. So why don't we get started, Zeke, in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 9. Okay. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Okay, Zeke. So I had a question for you about this. Why is it important to fill the earth? And do you think that the earth is overpopulated do you believe that people should bring children into this evil world and the reason why I ask these questions is because these are questions not questions but these are statements that people say all the time that that even I've heard in conversation okay so it's important to bring children into the world because they are made in the image of God. Uh, that's just a thing. It's like we're commanded to do it. And like, regardless of what we think, of course, God is sovereign and he commanded it. Uh, also, I do not believe that the earth is overpopulated. These fears were introduced by the libertarian philosopher Robert Malthus who believed that our resources would run out as uh, the population increased. But as the years have gone by, we actually see the opposite of his theory. Like, his theory actually began, uh, has been criticized by both the left and the right, uh, with, with the left only going with uh, contraceptives and all that stuff, not because of population overpopulation the earth will not get overpopulated that's for sure mm -hmm. yeah i don't believe that the earth is going to be overpopulated yeah th that thinking actually is the same line of thinking like ebenezer scrooge and he's like said that poor people should better die and decrease the surplus population that is malthusian thinking Ooh, that's 
what's Malthusian thinking? Uh, it was Robert Malthus's uh, philosophy. Robert, Robert Malthus? Yes, Robert Malthus. Malthus. Malthus, Malthus. But his, his theory has been time and time again refuted. Uh, basically because it just doesn't work. Um, okay, so also the argument that people shouldn't bring children into an evil world is flawed because on the other hand, the child will never have the chance to experience the salvation of Jesus Christ if not born or will not grow up to shine a light in a dark world. And that's... That's the that. thing. It's like, I, I, I think that that statement, like, oh, I don't want to bring a child into this dark world. Well, that is actually, to me, that sounds like a message of despair. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it's so bad that we should just end humanity. Oh, I never thought of it that way. Because their their think their line of thinking is probably like I don't this world is so evil and so treacherous and so bad that I don't want them to have to be born and die and and so yeah you're right it's it's a it's a it's um, a message of despair it's no better than time. nihilistic thinking yeah. it's. It's not from a biblical perspective. It's it's actually from a perspective of despair. You live and let live, live and let die, like like it. Live and die like dogs. Like, like if we do believe that Jesus is coming back anytime soon, why are we afraid that our children will grow up in an evil world when God is coming to save everyone from this evil world? Yeah, we get to live eternally. Yeah, you know, so, dying is not the end for the believer. Like, so, suffering is not the end for the believer. It's like everyone will suffer. Yeah, everyone suffers. That's a good point, Zeke. So you want to read verses two through three? Okay. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the field, on every bird of the air, on all the move on the earth, on all that move on the earth. And all the flesh of the sea, fish of the sea, they are given unto your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. That's so true. What I noticed in this verse is that God provided everything for Noah. Everything that he needed, God gave it to him. And just like he provides for the children of um, Israel, or ha that just like he had provided for the children of Israel quail in the wilderness um, and manna uh, in the desert. And I also think of Elijah uh, with the bread when he sent, um, you know, ravens. Uh, ravens, yeah, um, during that time. And I think of the angels that minister to Jesus. I think of the woman. Um, do you know what I'm, I'm trying to say? The woman with the um, oil and the... And oh, the one that Elijah went to her house yes. and multiplied her... Oh, oh, wait a minute. Wasn't that another... <laughs> you mean Elisha, Elisha? He went to this woman's house, multiplied the oil, like... Oh, just, flour. 
I think that one was the one that Elijah did. Okay. The one that Elisha did. She had two the kids. The Shumanite woman was the one that Elijah did. <laughs> yeah, I always get mixed up. But nevertheless, um, and this is why I like going through the Bible, because I forget, even though I've studied through, you know, different books of the Bible, I I forget over the years if I don't go back and, and just study. And that's what I love about the Bible is that, you know, you don't just read it once and you're like, oh, I know it. You, It's so deep and... Um, but anyway, God provides. He provides in here. Um, he's providing Noah everything he needs. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. That's amazing. Every mm-hmm. single moving thing. Well, every everything that, like, beasts, basically. So they were no longer vegeta- vegetarians. vegetarians. They had, so with this new covenant, he's basically saying... You can now eat. Uh, eat meat. The field, you can eat meat. Okay. Um, okay so verse six, four, four to six. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it. And from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. So why is the blood described as life? It's de- it's described as alive somehow. It's like sort of metaphysical. Blood pumps through your through everything. It's like the source of life with with a person or an animal. Like a like lizards have blood. We need we need blood just need blood to live it's it's our source of life it's our source of life that's interesting and why do you think it says that it's bad to drink the blood which i think is absolutely well horrifically disgusting we know that jesus blood represents not only his death but also his life and god wants us to respect that he doesn't want to take us to take blood not seriously, because that is the way that we will be redeemed. Don't devil worshippers drink blood for power? Yes, they, they kind of do. think that drinking blood gives them power. It, yeah, because it is the life force of a animal, and they think that taking somebody's life, it's, it's symbolic of them taking somebody else's life and using it for their own benefit. And, but drinking blood can expose people to harmful pathogens like hepatitis, and that should be avoided. Oh my. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what else do you think about blood? Just that. It's blood. (laughs) Blood is blood. We shouldn't be afraid of blood. Mm -hmm. We should not be afraid of blood. So, does this mean that blood transfusions are bad? Because... In the JW, the Jehovah Witness um, cult, I'm not afraid to say it. It's a cult. If anybody has any questions about that, come talk to me, and and we'll, we'll discuss why I believe it's a cult. But anyway, okay. So, um, why do you 
Why do you believe that some people are um, fearful of blood transfusions? Well, Why mainly because of that? this this verse, you can, uh, shall not consume the blood, but no evidence notes that blood transfusions are a sin. Uh, this rule in Genesis is not to eat or consume the blood, it's like taking it through your mouth. Like oh. that, that, that's... That yeah. that's bad. It's like if if your tongue touches it, if your mouth touches it, like in Bible times they didn't have needles that could go, you know, go in through another pathway. So that's just not the context and this does not mean saving a person's life with a transfusion is bad. Transfusions do not expose people to the same pathogens. Uh transfusions are not usually meant in like these cultish like devil worship um rules about not receiving transfusions are pharisaical yeah uh jesus says that the law was made to save life not to keep the law man was made for the sabbath i mean sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath yeah so there's two things going on here one consuming blood just drinking it straight up is dirty but <laughs> actually getting a blood transfusion is clean because doesn't it go through a process it goes through a process it, you have to have clean have blood you, you have to be screened you just i think i believe you have to use a good needle you mm -hmm. there's so many things that that and maybe one day we should look up what a blood transfusion is all about but that doesn't you know, if somebody is losing blood, you're, it's like losing a limb. I mean, not a limb, a, um, you know, a lung. Some people get lung transplants. Some people get, you know, um, And we kidney. don't tell them that they're eating lungs or kidneys. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there's a moral, there's an ethical thing going on here. As opposed to, like you said, somebody that's just drinking dirty blood for the fun of it because they think that it's giving them power and that's actually blasphemous in my opinion but anyway i digress so let's read on chapter no, seven I'll, well i want to go back to like when it says like oh go ahead when it says in verse uh right here i believe it's verse six mm -hmm. uh whosoever shit sheds man's blood by man his blood shall be shed uh, the truth of this verse whoever sheds man's blood by man his blood shall be shed still it still applies today in the hebrew it actually means by the man his blood shall be shed but whoever so sheds man's blood by the man his blood shall be shed who's the man the man meaning that not just anybody remember uh, Cain, God didn't want just anyone going and killing him. This right here is now giving like a command what to do with murderers. You take him to the man, and the man is someone who is appointed as a government. Well, okay, let's give a scenario here. So say back in the biblical times, because it's different now. I mean, well, you just said it's not different, but let's just say like hypothetically speaking someone murders my cousin okay i'm just saying cousins cousins uh 
husband's brother's mother or something. And what will happen? Well, in, in a just society, the, the, the murderer should be taken and uh, killed. Capital punishment. Right away? Or should it, well, it, it get, should like, go through, TV dinners? And, well, it should go through a judicial process. I, I, anyways, I don't think that TV dinners are like... <laughs> I don't think that people should be rewarded for any sort of thing. Well, like saying... you, you should, you should get. What happens is that if you know one hundred percent that this man killed uh, someone, you should like imprison him, give him a Bible, and then the next day kill him. Okay, and then, but we, there's a judicial yeah, a ju- judicial, judicial process, process, and that that is put in place for people who are wrongly accused. People who are wrongly accused mm-hmm. and like when we get into the book of Leviticus, it will get into sort of the the gray areas between this. But mm-hmm. what now. what for now, what it says is that governments have a moral obligation to hold people accountable for the crime of killing someone who is in the image of God. That should not be taken leniently. Yeah, because God doesn't want that act of murder to have you know just the same connotations as if you were just stealing yeah it's 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 a lot bigger than that um what about verse seven okay as for you be fruitful and multiply bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply it god is here emphasizing the command to be fruitful okay okay verses eight to eleven Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and all your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the field with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off from the waters of the flood, Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. So, if this is the Noahic covenant, there was something that caught my eye. Um, Every beast of the earth, thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again. Um, Oh, it says, my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you. So the covenant was for... Every, every living creature? Every living creature, because all the other creatures died in the flood, because they are, of course, our responsibility. And so there's really no point for them after we've we've gone. Mm-hmm. So he, he's, he's extending this covenant to the livestock, because they are our responsibility. That That's, like, whenever, like, like a country is cursed in the bible it also goes down to their animals um now uh yeah this is the noahic covenant it, yeah how many covenants are there all together thus, uh, far? Th- thus far thus far there are three major covenants, major covenants. Okay. uh the first one is the edenic covenant mm-hmm. which basically is be fruitful and multiply okay okay so that that's just a basic basic thing okay so the the 
Adamic covenant, Mm -hmm. which means that we can rule over everything Mm -hmm. as long as we don't eat of the forbidden fruit. Mm -hmm. And we botched that. Mm -hmm. And so this one is God will never again bring a flood so long as nothing really. We don't need to do anything for this one. We don't? We don't. God, we won't get to a point that we're so bad that God will send another flood. Because right here he wants, he is promising he's not going to destroy the earth, but will send a son to save it. Oh, the light bulb just went on for me. <laughs> yeah. But he will destroy the earth in another way next time. But he, this is like a grace period. This is a grace period. A really long, longer one than even Noah had because it's been since this covenant, how many years? Like 5,000? A little under 5,000, okay. but basically like 4,000 years. It's been 4,000 years. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and read verses uh, 12 through 17. And God said... This is a sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is a sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. And so... Um, first of all, I wanted to say, every time I see a rainbow, I think, how beautiful. But in these scriptures, as I was reading, I realized that God is saying how beautiful. God is saying how he remembers um, his covenant, which is between, and it says, between me and you and every living creature of all mm-hmm. flesh. Who's he speaking to? Well, he's speaking to Noah. Oh, okay. I thought he was speaking to... Like the Trinity was in this, but I think it was just Noah. So what does the word covenant even mean? Okay, I was so, wondered what that so meant. So covenants are agreements between two parties. However, the agreement here is unconditional, so it's more like a gift. Uh, in ancient times, agreements were notarized by someone doing a symbolic act, like using their ring as a stamp or like giving your staff to someone, stuff like that. Uh, here God is using a bow, like a like a bow and arrow. So like like yeah, that in the, the sky. Is a bow. Yeah. yeah, to show that he won't shoot that bow with rain and make another flood because basically this is a metaphor, like he would shoot mm-hmm. the earth with this bow and arrow. Not literally, but yeah. So he's putting his bow down, and it's pointed upward. It's not pointed at the earth. Oh, yeah. That's a neat metaphor. That's very interesting. 
So let's go ahead and continue. Okay. Verses 18 to 19. Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. I think it's interesting that God commanded them to be fruitful and multiply. These, just these three, he commanded Shem, Ham, and Japheth to multiply the earth. And in this verse, we see that with just those three, there we go. Boom. Populated earth. (laughs) And here we get into the weird parts. (laughs) And Noah began to be a farmer, verse 20, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. See, and this always kind of boggled my mind because I thought Noah was a righteous man. So why is he drunk in this scene? Okay, so in the in the book of Romans it says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Noah was indeed a righteous man, but he was also a human being and he had the same flaws as us. Noah may have thought that he was immune to drunkenness and better than those who were eating and drinking before the flood, like in Matthew 24:38. People were eating and drinking. He probably thought that, oh, I'm I'm better than them. I I, I can take it. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with drinking wine. There there are some people who can drink wine, and just it's a normal thing for them. Yeah, they don't become drunkards. They don't become drunkards like people back they don't in the indulge in it. people back in the day. Most of what they drank was not water. They would drink. Uh, wine and beer because um the water was because the water was always contaminated and yeah. so what is wrong with indulging in, in so wine? Be, be, because it becomes your god at that point and then your wisdom goes out like it, do you think noah could have stopped drinking i i believe he could have stopped drinking like i, I don't think that it was like he got a little sip and then he was just doing more and more. I think that, I, I, I don't think that this was the first, the first time, yeah. time because it does say in Matthew that people were eating and drinking mm-hmm. and I, and I've always seen that as people were drinking. Yeah. yeah. And I, 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 why would, why would he do it now that he's out of, the ark and not building the ark why didn't he get drunk he when th- everyone else was getting drunk before the flood he probably thought oh like i i, I can have a little break now mm-hmm. a- and that's with most of us we think that we can resist sin most when we're having a break mm-hmm. the temptation is always there it was even there with jesus in the wilderness no one is exempt but Jesus was perfect and passed all the tests. Yeah. But obviously, yeah. you know, with Noah, I mean, what? why do you think this happened with him? Why does the Bible show this? Well, the Bible shows this uh, to show that not everyone can resist sins like drunkenness and that Noah was a man and not a god. Because in ancient Mesopotamian uh, literature, you have flood heroes. 
And then the gods deify that man and he becomes a god himself. So oh. it's highlighting no. Noah is not a god. That's, that's He's a, not perfect. I like how the Bible highlights those things because um, we could all fit into those same situations. Okay, so 22 to 23. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it on both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. This is weird. What do you think about this? Uh, one of the most weirdest things that we came to in the Bible. <laughs> okay, so... One of the most... There's going to be a whole slew of things. <laughs> okay, so 24 to 25. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Cursed be Canaan, he said. A servant of servants he shall be to his brethren. Ham was exposing something bad, so why was Canaan cursed for this? Okay, so in the Hebrew, so he was exposing something bad, but it wasn't really, it was, so if exposing it was the right thing, he did the right thing for the wrong reason. So if uh, exposing it was something bad... He did the wrong thing for the wrong reason. So basically, so, in other words, you're saying that he was almost, in a sense, mocking him for being drunk. Yeah, so, yeah, in the Hebrew, when it says that Ham saw the nakedness of his father, it can be translated as he enjoyed the nakedness of his father, because the word ra'ah is also the same as when Solomon says to enjoy life. In Ecclesiastes, that's, that's the same word as see. To, to see life, it's the same as enjoy. Ham did nothing to cover his father, but instead talked about his sin in public. In the Aramaic Bible, it goes so far to say that he said it in the streets. Oh my. But still, I'm still wondering why Canaan. Why Canaan was cursed and not Ham? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the text says that Noah knew what his youngest son had done to him. The Bible lists Noah's sons as Shem, the oldest, Ham, the second oldest, and Japheth, the youngest, mm -hmm. as the sons of Noah. But Ham, of course, is the second oldest and not the youngest. Mm -hmm. But in Bible times, people would usually call their grandsons sons. So we may speculate that this was Canaan who did something to Noah. Some people may think that Canaan sodomized Noah or castrated him. We can't know for sure. But like something happened in that something tent, happened that. in that tent and and Noah had woken up and he saw yeah. something. So it he was something visible. Was. He saw Canaan because Canaan's the one being cursed. Yeah. So and then Ham, because Ham didn't do anything. And obviously it sounds like Ham was like, my dad is drunk or something like that. I mean, we're just speculating here because the Bible is not clear. The Bible is not clear. But the Bible is giving hints by cursing Canaan, and 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 Canaan is uh, called a son, and 
the youngest, right? Because yeah, Adam youngest. is the middle son. It gets very confusing. It gets very confusing. So help me out here real quick. So what happened in that tent? It was Who was in that tent? Was it Ham or was it Canaan? I think it was both. Okay. And the scriptures say, like, the text says that no one knew what his youngest son had done to him. Like he saw. He saw. It says, says right here, Noah awake, woke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him. His youngest son, because Ham is not the youngest son. Ham is not the youngest son. Who was the youngest son? Uh, basically, if we're counting... Japheth is the youngest son. Okay, so, but, so it's saying, it says, Noah went out of the ark where Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah. And from these, right there, and from these, the whole earth was populated. Oh, okay, I'm getting mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Cursed, oh, his younger son and that younger son was considered a grandson yes. in, in biblical days. So he woke and saw Canaan and obviously Ham didn't do anything about it and knew what was going on. He probably knew what was going on. It, like something happened, but like he didn't stop it. He didn't, like, grieve over it. He went mm -hmm. out and told everyone. Yeah, that's really sad. That's That sounds terrible. <laughs> okay. And Noah said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Okay, so if we take this scripture slowly, verses, you know, 25 through 26, um, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. And so it says there, who is serving who? And may Canaan be Shem's servant. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why? Okay, so servant can mean one who is lesser. It's usually translated slave, but also, like, find favor in the eyes of your sermon, servant, so it's more like one who is lesser. Um, it is apparent that when you read the rest of the Bible, that the descendants of Canaan are always being defeated by the Israelites, the descendants of Shem. Most of the time when you come across a Canaanite, and I'm saying most of the time, this is not a rule. Uh, in the Bible, they're going to be the enemy of the Israelites. And what, what I want to make uh, clear is that the, this curse was not a racial curse. So a lot of people, since we know that Ham was the ancestor of uh, the African peoples, and mainly Ethiopia... Um, a lot of racists have tried to claim that this, the curse upon Canaan was, uh, had something to do with his skin, but Canaan is, uh, the fourth son of Ham, and he had other 
sons. Cush was one of them. Cush was the oldest, who was the ancestor of the Ethiopians. Canaan was the ancestor of the Phoenicians, and the Phoenicians were not black. So this has nothing to do with race. Oh, okay. So, so when it says Canaan will be Shem's servant, it's because Canaan was cursed. Yes. And um, and they they probably were going to have that, you know, type of personality throughout the Bible where they were just kind of mockers of God. Actually, not not. I don't know, blasphemers. Well, they, they were the ones that made Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, the flesh. Do they represent the flesh? What do the Canaanites actually represent symbolically? Well, symbolically, they kind of represent, you know, the world. Oh, okay. Worldly, worldly people. And, um, and then it says, uh, well, did you go over what servant means? Yes. Okay. So, may God enlarge Japheth. Okay. What does it mean that God will enlarge Japheth? So, we know that Japheth's many descendants, the Europeans, will have the most territories after the flood. Like, it goes all the way to Spain. And they've, throughout history, they've had the largest of empires. And, like, the largest of empires and... I don't want to stretch this too much, but it's interesting to note that uh, one of the greatest wars uh, in history was between the Romans, who were the descendants of Japheth, and the Phoenicians, who were the descendants of Canaan. Okay. So those are called the Punic Wars, which Rome won. Rome won over them? Yes. Well, and in the scripture, in verses 25 through 26, you see that Canaan is in the middle of two blessings, um, yet he is the curse in the middle of it. So he has to serve Shem's descendants, and he has to dwell in Japheth's um, territories. So. Well, it doesn't say that. What does it say? May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem. Oh. Oh, but where does Canaan fit in all this? And may Canaan be his servant. That's it? That's it. Oh, okay, so Shem dwells in The Japheth. tents of Shem? Yeah, oh no, wait. May God Japheth enlarge Japheth. Sorry. Help me out here. God, may God enlarge Japheth. So he's the one with the territory, Japheth. Yes. And may he dwell in the tents of Shem. So what does that mean? Okay, so you may at first think that Japheth is dwelling in the tents of Shem. Like, I'm, I'm envision, envisioning actual tents. Okay, so in the Aramaic translation of the Bible, when verse 29 says, and... May he dwell in the tents of Shem. It, tr it translates the he is not referring to Japheth, but rather referring to the Shekinah glory of God. Okay, so here it is. May God enlarge Japheth, but he will dwell in the tents of Shem. So that that's the way that the Aramaic version of the Bible say it. So he may enlarge Japheth, 
but he's going to dwell in the tents of Shem. So, oh, God himself is going to dwell in, in the, tents the tents of Shem. Of Shem. So his Shekinah glory is going to be dwelling in Shem's tents? Yes, this is probably a prophecy about how the God's glory dwells in the tabernacle, his Shekinah glory, a tent, which was built by the descendants of Shem. That makes sense. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so I'm going to just run over through, run this over one more time. So, uh, the God of Shem, Mm -hmm. okay, blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Here we are talking about Shem. I wonder why Shem is so special. And may Canaan be Shem's servant and may God enlarge Japheth. So he's enlarged his territory or people. Uh, basically both okay and may he the he is who god dwell and you're saying in the aramaic it's the he is god here yes and the dwell in is the shekinah glory dwelling in the tents of shem Mm -hmm. and may canaan be his servant so canaan is just going to be the servant of shem all the time basically okay Wow, and how does that translate over to the Israelites? Well, the the the, the Israelites just always came first. Uh, Did they come from Shem? They Ham came from Sh- they they came from Shem. Oh, okay. Okay, they never came from Japheth. They never came came from Ham. It's like may God enlarge Japheth, but he will dwell in the tents of Shem. So. Okay. That makes sense. It's all making sense to me, Zeke. So let's read verses 27 through 28. Okay. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years. So all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Wow. So any closing thoughts, Zeke? Well, here we have the same pattern again. And he died. So... It's another ending. It's another ending. It's a close to a book, right? It's the close to Noah's life. Of course, Noah's legacy is going to go on until we get to the next uh, part of Genesis, which the rabbis, they call it, go forth. Uh, but But as for Noah's personal story, it's ended here, sort of off on a weird note. It, it seemed like it was just, and he died. And it didn't seem as though there was any, it didn't make me cry. Or <laughs> it didn't make me happy. It just was like. Weirded you out because like, just, what's he doing in there? Like, yeah. Yeah. There was, I don't, only God knows. And that's probably best that, you know, um, that we don't go around dishonoring our parents um, because I just don't believe that even if your parents say your parents are just doing something absolutely terrible, why go tell it on a rooftop airing out your dirty laundry about what they did to you? It doesn't, it doesn't help anybody. And I don't think God is pleased with that because God knew what got that person there in that state in the first place? And what if we end up 
getting into that spot and then our kids disrespect or dishonor us how yeah man that's actually one uh interpretation some people say that that no it was ham that did it but this is more of a prophecy saying that canaan uh was cursed because he would do the same thing dishonor mm -hmm. um ham and so did he well, th th that's speculation. Mm -hmm. I tend to go more with uh, that Canaan actually did something, but uh, what you just said has been a theory of other people. Yeah, I'd like to block it out <laughs> because it sounds... But the Bible does not shy away from anything, and there are certain things that God doesn't completely expose or share. Obviously, he did not want Noah's sin exposed, even in what was done in that tent, because both the brothers went in and covered him. And obviously, God covered um, Noah. Isn't he in the the um, in Hebrews in the hall of they call it the hall of faith? Yes, by faith Noah. Yeah, by faith Noah. So praise God for for that washing and cleansing and mercy of God. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We really enjoy doing this podcast for you. If you have any suggestions or comments, um, go ahead and leave a friendly review as well. Um, that's very helpful to this podcast on the platform that you're listening on, whether it be Spotify, um, it could be Apple or Google. Uh, whatever platform you're able to listen on, uh, we enjoy having you here listening with us. Um, thank you again. Zeke, why don't you pray us out? Okay. Our Father, we just thank you for this day. And we just pray that uh, you would make a covenant with us and uh, bring us into your friendship. And we just pray uh, that... Uh, you will lead us away from sin or the sin of uh, making fun of others. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank you again for listening to the Oh My Geekers podcast.